we continue with the explanation of the 40 hadith of Al-Imam Al-Nawawi Rahimahullah Ta'ala. In the last class we arrive to the fourth hadith. عن أبي عبد الرحمن عبد الله بن مسعود رضي الله عنه قال حدثنا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وهو الصادق المصدوق إن أحدكم يجمع خلقه في بطن أمه أربعين يوما نطفة ثم يكون علقة مثل ذلك ثم يكون مضغة مثل ذلك ثم يرسل إليه الملك فينفخ فيه الروح ويؤمر بأربع كلمات بكتب رزقه وأجله وعمله والشقي أو سعيد فوالله الذي لا إله غيره إن أحدكم ليعمل بعمل أهل الجنة حتى ما يكون بينه وبينها إلا ذراع فيصبق عليه الكتاب فيعمل بعمل أهل النار فيدخلها وإن أحدكم ليعمل بعمل أهل النار حتى ما يكون بينه وبينها إلا ذراع فيصبق عليه الكتاب فيعمل بعمل أهل الجنة فيدخلها رواه البخاري ومسلم. This narration is on the authority of the father of Abdurrahman, Abdullah bin Mas'ud. May Allah be pleased with him. He said, the Messenger of Allah informed us or narrated to us and he is the truthful one whose truthfulness is confirmed that indeed the creation of one of you is gathered together in the womb of his mother for 40 days as seminal fluid and then a clot of blood for another 40 days or similar to that time and then a morsel of flesh for a similar amount of time. And then the angel is sent to it, and he blows into it the soul. And the angel is commanded with four affairs, or four matters, of writing down its provisions, its uh, lifespan, its actions, and whether it will be wretched or happy. I swear by Allah, the one who none has the right to be worshipped except for him. Indeed, one of you performs the actions of the people of paradise until there is an arm span between him and it. And then that which is written overtakes him and then he begins to do the actions of the people of the hellfire and then he enters into it. And indeed, one of you, he does the actions of the people of the hellfire until there is an arm span between him and it. And then that which is written overtakes him and then he begins to do the actions of the people of paradise and then he enters into it. And this narration is collected in the Sahih of Imam al-Bukhari and Imam Muslim. We covered that this narration is a foundation from the fundamentals of faith as it is connected to the belief in the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we covered that the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with Ahl sunnah wal jama'ah is divided into four categories. Number one, ilmullah, the knowledge of Allah. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
He knows all things Even before they come to life Or take place Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He knows them And nothing escapes the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah is al-alim, the all-knowing Number two the writing of this knowledge. Everything that is in the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He wrote that it will take place. So that which is to take place in creation, this was written in Allah al-Mahfuz 50,000 years before the creation of the heavens and the earth. The third matter, the will of Allah, The Mashiach of Allah Nothing happens in the creation Except by Allah's will Number four The creation of Allah Khalqullah Everything that we See in creation Has come from Allah's Creating it Allah is the creator of all things Al-Sunnah wa al-Jama'ah We are on the middle path As it relates to the belief In the divine decree of Allah We believe that human beings have free will However their free will is not unrestricted We have free will But it's not unrestricted free will Meaning in all situations In all cases We can do whatever we want to do This is not correct There are affairs that we have no restrictions Meaning we can choose Right from wrong However There are matters that are outside of our control That we have no control over No will over And then on top of everything Nothing happens in the creation of Allah Except that Allah allows it to happen Good as well as the bad Different from The Jabiriya and the Qadiriya the Jabiriya believe that human beings have no free will whatsoever and that they are forced to do that which they do. And the Qadiriya believe that human beings have unrestricted free will and that Allah's will is not over their will. And both groups have strayed from that which is correct as it relates to the belief and the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala The early generations of Muslims They mentioned That al-qadr sirrullah That the divine decree is the secret of Allah Meaning no one knows it The divine decree is the secret of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala In this narration Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu an described the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam as being al-sadiq al-masdur and he is the truthful one the one whose truthfulness is confirmed and he is truthful and that which he informs us of. The Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he is not a liar and was never known for being a liar. Because when a person is known to lie, then their narrations are rejected. The person is a liar, their narrations are rejected. This is the origin. 
unless the liar tells the truth but is confirmed from an outside source that yes, what the person who is known to be a liar said, that's true. Like in what example? The narration of Abu Huraira when he was watching over the Zakat al-Fitr and the person came and stole from the food and the shaitan and Abu Huraira he said I'm going to take you to the Prophet the person said I'm a poor person I'm in need let me go please I won't come back Abu Huraira let him go he seen the Prophet the next morning the Prophet said what did you do with your companion last night Abu explained what took place the Prophet said he will return and the second night he caught him again stealing from the Zakat al-Fitr and the same excuse was given I'm a poor person a family and Abu Huraira from being one who was compassionate and merciful let him go again and the next morning the Prophet said what did you do with your companion last night and because Allah informed Prophet Muhammad of what was going on way of revelation and not that Prophet Muhammad knows the unseen Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam so Abu Huraira mentioned he said he was poor he was in need the Prophet said Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he will return again third time so he caught him again stealing Abu Huraira said I'm taking you to the messenger of Allah that's it he said wait if you release me, I will teach you a verse or mention to you a verse in the Quran that if you was to recite it at night before you go to bed, that you will have a protector for you until the morning. Like no devil will be able to come near you. Abu Huraira said, What is it? And he mentioned Ayatul Kursi. Allahu la ilaha illahu wal hayyul qayyum to the end. The next morning, the Prophet asked, What did you do with your companion last night? Abu mentioned, He told me if I let him go, he would mention to me a verse in the Quran that if I was to recite it at the time of going to bed, I will have a protector for me until the morning from the devils. And he mentioned Ayatul Kursi. The Prophet ﷺ said, Sadaqaka walakinnahu kadood. The Prophet ﷺ said, he spoke, he spoke the truth, however he's a habitual liar. And he was shaitan. Some people misunderstand this narration to mean that it is okay to take knowledge from people who are known to be astray and deviant. This, that, that doesn't mean that. If we can take knowledge from the shaitan, then we can take knowledge from anybody. No, this is not correct. Abu Huraira didn't go to him seeking out knowledge. And Abu Huraira number two didn't know it was shaitan. Rather, he was informed of something. And then the third matter, Abu Huraira took the matter or mentioned the matter to the Prophet wasallam, and the Prophet wasallam, was the one who confirmed that that's correct. So this is different from a person going to someone who is known to be a deviant and have deviant ideologies in the deen and then sit and say, well, I'm going to take the good and leave the bad. This is not the same situation. And in any event, the Prophet ﷺ, he was known to be truthful even prior to him becoming the Prophet and Messenger. And this is seen in the narration that's in the Sahih of Imam al-Bukhari, rahimahullah, when 
Abu Sufyan radiallahu an he was a non-Muslim at the time and he was being addressed by Heraclius who was the leader of the Romans at the time and Heraclius he asked Abu Sufyan was he known to lie on the people or about people in their situations and Abu Sufyan he said no He was not known to lie And Heraclius later on explained why he asked him that question And the reason was If he was not known To lie On people or about people Then it is far-fetched and basically impossible that he's going to lie on Allah if he, won't, if he doesn't lie on the people He's not going to lie on Allah And Heraclius he asked these questions To confirm whether or not Prophet Muhammad Was truly a prophet and messenger And at the end It was confirmed with him That this was truly A prophet and messenger from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the point of the shahid the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu was truthful even prior to receiving revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this establishes for us, brothers and sisters, the importance of being people who are truthful. Allah azawajal, he mentions, Ya ayyuhal ladina amanu taqullaha wa kunu ma'as-sadiqeen. All you who believe, fear Allah and be with those who are truthful. And be with those who are truthful, meaning be truthful yourself. Just like those who are truthful are truthful. And let the truthful be your companionship. Because good people influence people to do good. And truthful people influence people to be truthful. The Prophet ﷺ, he mentions, "Alaykum bisidq, fa'inna sidq yahdi ila al-bir, wa inna al-bir yahdi ila al-jannah." Upon you is being truthful. For indeed, truthfulness leads to righteousness, and righteousness leads to the paradise. Wa iyaqum wal kithib, and be aware of lying. إن الكذب يهدي إلى الفجور. Indeed, lying leads to corruption. وإن الفجور يهدي إلى النار. Indeed, corruption leads to the hellfire. The worst lie that a person can tell is a lie upon Allah Subhanahu Wa It's the worst lie a person can tell. Allah Azza wa Jal mentions, "وَمَنْ أَظْلَمُ مِمَّنْ افْتَرَى عَلَى اللَّهِ كَذِبًا." And who is more oppressive and wrongdoing than the one who invents a lie against Allah? The scholars in Tafsir they mention, meaning no one is more oppressive or wrongdoing than the one who makes up a lie against Allah or speaks about Allah without knowledge. Speaking about the religion or the deen without knowledge is speaking about Allah without knowledge. And then after that, lying on Prophet Muhammad This is a serious crime in Islam. The Prophet mentioned, "Man That whoever lies upon me intentionally, then let him take his seat in the hellfire. Another narration mentions Man That whoever lies on me Without the mentioning of the word intentionally Whoever lies on me Then let him take his seat in the fire and For this reason you find uh, Some of the companions May Allah be pleased with them They were very hesitant When it came to narrating hadith Because of the fear of making a mistake and saying something and attributing it to the Prophet and the Prophet didn't say it, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. 
Or you find those who will say, O Kemakala sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, like Anas ibn Malik, or something similar to what the Prophet said. Leaving room for if there's a mistake, it goes back on them and not the Prophet. He says, and he is also al-masduq, meaning one whose truthfulness is confirmed. Allah has revealed to the Prophet ﷺ revelation, and many of this of that which the Prophet foretold has come true. And there are other things that didn't happen yet and they will come true. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he stated, وَمَا يَنْتِكُ عَنِ الْهَوَىٰ إِنْ هُوَىٰ إِلَّا وَحِيُّهَا And he, meaning he, the Prophet wasallam, he doesn't speak from his desires, it is only revelation that is revealed to him. So when the Prophet ﷺ informed us about the religious affairs, everything he told us is the truth. And it is not allowed for one to have doubt regarding what the Prophet has said. Even if you don't understand what the Prophet ﷺ means by his speech, or you don't grasp the full wisdom behind the speech of the Prophet. As Muslims, we have to believe that the Prophet speaks the truth and he never lies. He never lies. Because lying is from the characteristics of the disbelievers and the hypocrites and the liars. And the Prophet wasallam, he is the example. So he's free from these, uh, or this type of characteristic, and that is the characteristic of lying. So whenever something reaches us from the sunnah of the Prophet we accept it. We accept it. And we do not have doubts regarding it. And from those matters that have come to light, Alhamdulillah, this is a means of confirming for us the Prophet spoke the truth. Like he spoke about there will come a time when ignorance is prevalent and the consuming of intoxicants will be apparent and prevalent and illegal sexual intercourse will be apparent and prevalent. We see these things in our time. Or the Prophet Wasallam telling us about the time that will come and there will be a lot of killing. We see. Or when a person kills, he doesn't know why he killed the person. And then the person who was killed doesn't know what he was killed for. We see these things. These are from the signs of the hour that the Prophet ﷺ spoke about. Or the women who, who hair, their hair was like the, the humps of camels. This wasn't present in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, but we see this in our time. Also, what we take from the statement of Abdullah bin Mas'ud, a lesson for those who teach people. 
And that is that when you teach people and convey to them the knowledge, to prepare them to receive the knowledge, especially when it's something that is of great importance. So Abdullah ibn Mas'ud mentioning that the Prophet was seventh is al-Sadiq al-Masdur. He is preparing the listener, those who this narration will reach them. He's preparing them to accept the narration. Why? Because this narration speaks about matters of the unseen. And you have to keep in mind during those times, they didn't have the technology that we have today. From the microscopes and the sonograms and the lights. They didn't have the technology to record the stages of birth of the human being. They didn't have that during those times. So this was unseen. So the Prophet is speaking about something that cannot be seen with the naked eye. So Abdullah bin Mas'ud, knowing that the narration is dealing with the matter of the unseen, he begins by saying, the Messenger of Allah وسلم, narrated to us, and he is truthful, the one whose truthfulness is confirmed. And look, with the passing of centuries and time, what the Prophet said about the process and the stages of birth, it was proven. It's confirmed. Alhamdulillah. And even if science and technology doesn't show or confirm what is mentioned in the Quran or mentioned in the Sunnah, we still believe. We still believe. But when something comes out, alhamdulillah, we praise Allah for that. And this, this is a proof that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu was a truthful man and he was indeed a prophet and messenger from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when a person is teaching and educating the people, it is a must that the individual uses methods that's going to prepare the students and the listeners to receive the knowledge and make it easier for them to receive the knowledge. Done. Then he goes on to mention إِنَّ أَحَدَهُمْ يُجْمَعْ خَلْقُهُ فِي بَطْنِ أُمِّهِ أَرْبَعِينَ يَوْمٍ لُطْفًا Indeed, the creation of one of you is gathered together in the womb of his mother for 40 days as a sem- as seminal fluid. None. This is the first stage. And this is for every human being. When the Prophet stated, and indeed one of you, he's not just speaking to the Muslims, that this is only something that is applicable or in reference to the Muslims. But the non-Muslims have a different process of birth. This is for all of mankind, Muslim or non-Muslim. Every human being goes through these stages. And this is one of the ways of creation. The scholars they mentioned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created 
in four different ways. Number one, Allah created a man from the earth with no mother or father. Adam And then Allah created a woman from a man, Hawa. And then Allah, and there's no another woman. The woman just comes from the man. There's no mother. Allah created Hawa from Adam And then you have the creation of Isa Allah created Isa from his mother With there being no man And then you have the rest of mankind Coming from a man and a woman So the creation of each and every one of us is gathered together in the womb of the mother as seminal fluid. This seminal fluid is the seminal fluid of both the man and the woman. Because both have seminal fluid. It comes together. And this is the beginning of the creation. And this happens by the will of Allah, not by the will of the parents or the couple. For it is Allah who decrees pregnancy to happen. And there are many times when a man and a woman have relations and the seminal fluids come together, but there's no pregnancy. Allah controls the affair. And not every time that a man and a woman have relations and the seminal fluids mix, that there's a pregnancy that comes from the union. But when Allah decrees for there to be a pregnancy, then this is something that comes from Allah's decree. Allah Azzawajal, He mentions وَلَقَدْ خَلَقَنَا الْإِنسَانَ مِنْ سُلَالَةٍ مِنْ طِينٍ Allah Azzawajal in Surah Al-Mu'minun He speaks about the first man Indeed, we created man out of an extract of clay Meaning who? Adam And Allah says we created man Meaning the first man ثُمَّ جَعَلْنَاهُ نُطْفَةً فِي قَرَارٍ مَكِينٍ Then we placed him as a drop of sperm Or seminal fluid in a firm lodging and the, again, the nutfa is the mixed seminal fluid of the male and the female. And it is placed in a firm lodging, meaning the womb of the mother. She doesn't do that to herself. This is the, the decree of Allah. 
This is Allah's might and power that is causing this to happen. Then Allah he mentions ثُمَّ خَلَقُنَا النُّطْفَةَ عَلَقَةً فَخَلَقُنَا الْعَلَقَةَ مُضْغَةً فَخَلَقُنَا الْمُضْغَةَ عِظَامًا فَكَسَوْنَا الْعِظَامَ لَحْمًا ثُمَّ أَنْشَأْنَاهُ خَلْقًا آخَرًا فَتَبَارَكَ اللَّهُ أَحْسَنُ الْخَالِقِينَ Allah says, what means, then we made the seminal fluid into a clot. In the clot of blood Then we made the clot Into a little lump of flesh Then we made out of that lump Of flesh bones And then we clothed the bones With flesh Then we brought it forth As another creation So blessed be Allah The best of the creators So this is The stages of birth being mentioned in the Quran. And the Quran is over 1400 years ago. There was no technology at that time. This is a proof that the Quran is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu was truly a messenger from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Days, the creation of the human being is similar fluid, large inside of the womb, firmly put there. by the ulama that when the man releases the seminal fluid if it goes into the womb it remains there for 40 days and if Allah allows it will connect with the seminal fluid of the woman and then the creation will start. It comes together and then it begins to increase. And it comes together and comes together. And then it moves on to the next stage. As the Prophet mentions, And then it is a cloud of blood for a similar portion of time, meaning for the next 40 days, it's a cloud of blood. And the word that is used is alaqa. And alaqa means something that hangs onto something or hung up. And it's, it's said that the reason why it is called alaqa, because this blood, it hangs to the walls of the womb. It's in a safe and secure place by the decree of Allah and then it will remain in this stage or this state for 40 days and then will continue to come together and come together and then towards the end of the 40 days or at the end of the 40 days now you have 80 days completed it's now in the form or shape of a morsel of flesh it's like a, it's like a piece of meat and you chew it and you see, you take it out your mouth. You put the meat in your mouth and you chew it, and then you take it out. You see how it looks. That's how the embryo is at this stage. And now, from this stage, 
the human being begins to take form from day 80 and on. Starts to take form. And there is another wording that mentions Inna nutfa takunu fil rahim arba'ina yawman ala haliha la taghayyam la taghayyam fa'idha madat al-arba'un sarat alaqatan thumma mudha kathalik thumma idhaman kathalik fa'idha arada allahu an yusawya khalqahu this other narration or wording is in the Musnad of Imam Ahmad. It says, Indeed, the seminal fluid is in the womb for 40 days in its state without changing. And when the 40 days have passed, then it becomes a clot of blood. And then it becomes a morsel of flesh for a similar period of time and then it becomes bones for a similar period of time or likewise and then when Allah he wants to fashion the creation of the person he sends to it an angel so far What we have covered and seeing what Allah has stated about the creation of a person, we all started off as seminal fluid. We all come. the same regardless of race ethnic background geographic location we all start off as seminal fluid and with this being said we are taught in Islam to be humble not to be arrogant No one should look down upon another. For Allah knows best who is the most pious from amongst us. How can a Muslim look down on his Muslim brother and deem himself to be better when your origin is seminal fluid just like his origin was seminal fluid? And then you became a cloud of blood just like he was a cloud of blood or she was a cloud of blood Alhamdulillah for Islam because Islam puts things in the proper perspective behaving in a manner that we are better than others just because this is from arrogance. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam mentioned, "لا يدخل الجنة من كان في قلبه مثقال ذرة من الكبر." That whoever has the smallest amount of pride in his heart will not enter into paradise. قال رجل Ya Rasulullah, inna rajul yuhib thawbahu an yakun hasanan wa na'lahu an yakun hasanan. So a man from the companions, he said, O Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, indeed, indeed, you find that the person he loves for his garment to look nice and he likes for his footwear to look nice 
Meaning, is this person also arrogant because he want he wants to look nice, or is this from arrogance that a person likes to be presentable and have nice clothing and nice footwear? So the Prophet sallallahu responded to him, "Inna Allah jamil wa yuhibul jamal." Indeed, Allah is beautiful. And Allah loves beauty. And there's nothing wrong with looking nice and being presentable. And having nice clothing and nice footwear is not from arrogance. Then the Prophet ﷺ explained what arrogance truly is. He stated, Al-Kibr Batru Haq wa Ghamtunas. Pride. Arrogance is rejecting the truth and looking down upon the people. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He states وَلَا تُسَعِّرْ خَدَّكَ لِلنَّاسِ وَلَا تَمْشِ فِي الْعَرْضِ مَرَحَةً Don't turn your face to the people out of like pride. And don't walk in, in the earth in a state of insolence or haughtiness. This is from the mannerisms of Islam. You don't look at people in. Don't do that. Don't walk around with your chest up and your nose in the air. Like, you know, like you're the king of the dunya. It's not from the mannerisms of Islam. You, your origin is a mutfa. Just like my origin is a mutfa. Okay, you may have more material things than me. That doesn't make you better. Or I may have more material things than you. It does not make me better than you. What does Allah say? Indeed, the most honorable of you, the best of you with Allah, those who have the most piety. Some people think material possessions make them better than others. Firaun, he had a whole kingdom. But he got drowned. And the poor people from Bani Israel and Musa who did not have the palaces and they were the ones who were saved because they had the piety. They had the Iman. And the Prophet ﷺ, he mentioned لَيْسَ الْغِنَى أَنْ كَثْرَةِ الْعَرَبُ وَلَكِنْ الْغِنَى غِنَى النَّفْسِ That richness is not having a lot of material possession. That doesn't make you rich. If you have people, they have truckloads of money. A bank account filled with money, but yet these same individuals are committing suicide. Money doesn't buy happiness. Material possessions does not buy happiness. Because if it did, then why do you find these individuals who are quote-unquote financially stable, why are they not mentally stable and emotionally stable? Couldn't they have bought emotional stability and mental stability with all of the hundreds of thousand dollars and millions of dollars some of these people they have so this is a good point that we learn from this narration And the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that it is enough as a sin for a person to look down on his brother. 
Don't look down upon one another. Don't hold your brother or sister in contempt. Then after the stage, ثُمَّ يَكُونَ مُضْغَى مِثْلَ ذَلِكَ So from the clot of blood, the next stage is the morsel of flesh for another 40, 40 days. Then after the term of 120 days, the Prophet mentions ثُمَّ يُرْسَلُ إِلَيْهِ الْمَلَكِ And then the angel is sent to him. Meaning the angel that is responsible for blowing the soul into the embryo after the completion of 120 days or approximately four months. The prophet mentions And the angel blows the soul into the embryo. Now there's life. Now there's life. Me is a soul. What was prior is the sages of birth. Now the soul is there after the 120 day period. And this angel is commanded with four things, four miles. So you mark the Arba and Kalimah. The angel is commanded with four miles. And this angel is moving and operating by the commandment of Allah. This angel is carrying out these tasks by the commandment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Allah mentions, will you come? And the angel is commanded, meaning commanded by who? Allah. This is the first stage of life, life in the womb. As there are four stages of life for the soul. Life in the womb, life in the dunya, life in the barza, and then life on the day of judgment. Either to paralyze or to the health. Life in the womb of the mother is a life of the embryo. 
body and soul. Because the embryo is flesh, is a body and a womb. And the life in the dunya is life of the body with a soul inside of it, alive. And the soul follows the body. And the pleasure and the delight is upon the body as well as pain. And the soul follows. And then life in the Barzakh is life of the soul and the body follows. Different from or the opposite of the dunya. So the delights and punishment that take place in the grave is firstly upon the soul, the body follows. And then on the day of judgment, again, body and soul. So these are the four stages of life. So the Prophet mentions that the angel is commanded with three, or excuse me, with the writing of four affairs, writing of four matters. The Kathirisli, the angel is commanded with writing down the provisions. Meaning, from the time that the soul is blown into the embryo, it's already known or established what the provisions are going to be for the soul, this human being. Up until the time of death. Whether it is small in amount or large in amount. Whether it is vast or restricted, whether it is halal or haram, is rare. How can the angel write something like this? Allah gave the angel that knowledge, which is the proof and indication that Allah is all knowing. Because the angel doesn't know this on its own. Remember, will you mark? And he is commanded to write. The angel is writing what Allah commands the angel to write. Also, وَأَجْلِي The angel is commanded to write the lifespan. So it's already established how long each and every one of us will live. How does the angel know that? By the commandment of Allah, from the knowledge of Allah, that Allah allowed the angel to know and commanded the angel to write. So Allah is Al-Aleem. Allah knows when we're going to die. Everything is decreed, good and bad. So it's written. Time, the place, the how, all of this is written. How the individual is going to die, where the individual is going to die, all of this is written. وَعَمَلِهِ وَشَقِيُّنَ أَوْ And his deeds will be written down. Meaning, whether he's going to do actions of righteousness or actions of evil. This is pre-decreed. Does this mean that the person is forced to do 
when he does our goodness or righteousness or evil? No. Rather, what's written is what Allah Azawajal knows that the person is going to do. Allah already know if you're going to live a righteous life or an evil life. And Allah Azawajal already knows if you're going to be one who is wretched or one who is happy. All of this is known. This doesn't mean that the, the human being is forced to do evil. Because we have a choice to do good or bad. And Allah, He already knows which choice we're going to make. So that's what's written as it relates to our actions. Is Allah wrote the choices that we're going to make. Good or bad. That's what's written. Whether you're going to get up for prayer in the morning or you're going to hit the alarm clock or hit the snooze button on your phone and turn back over. Allah already knows what you're going to do before you do it. Because Allah, remember, He's Al Alim, all knowing. The first Qadriya. And they don't exist anymore, but the first Qadiriyah to appear in the time of the Sahaba, they said that the Amr is Umf, that it just happens. And Allah does not know what the servant is going to do until after he does his act. So that means, according to those first Qadiriyah, that Allah has with him ignorance or lack of knowledge. There's something that Allah doesn't know. But then once it happened, Allah knows it. This is a disbelief to say that there's something that Allah doesn't know. Or to believe that there's something that Allah doesn't know. This is why the Sahaba were very stern against them. And actually declared them to be disbelievers. Because of them denying the knowledge of Allah being perfect and complete. And saying that Allah does not know something. It's very dangerous to believe and to say that there's something Allah does not know. Allah knows everything. Even before it happens, Allah knows what's going to happen. That doesn't mean that it's oppression. Because from the wisdom of Allah, He allows things to happen, good and bad. Because the life of this world is a test. The life of this world is a test. It's amazing how people don't want to acknowledge or individuals do not want to acknowledge that Allah's knowledge precedes the action of the human being. Because they say, well, then that means Allah he let them do something wrong. I Meaning as if like Allah is pleased with wrongdoing in the last. That doesn't mean that. That doesn't mean that. This is the life of this world is your test. And you have to go through your test. Right. And then at the end you'll be compensated for your good or for your bad. A student is in college taking a test. The professor walks by and he sees you answer a question wrong and he doesn't say anything. The professor oppressed you? No. <laughs> test, you gotta, that's your test. At the end, the professor's gonna mark you wrong. But you put that down. Professor seen it. You hand the test in, mark wrong, and you should be back. The results. No one would say the, the, the professor oppressed the student. For Allah is, a greater, is the greater example. We, we should never attribute oppression to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah mentioned, 
And I am not the one who oppresses the servant. So Allah doesn't oppress anyone. When we make the choice to do evil, that was our choice that we made to do evil. Allah did not force us to do evil. We chose to do evil. We chose to look at the haram, or to drink the haram, or to eat the haram. We made the choice to do what Allah forbade. We cannot say Allah made us do it. So these four matters are written the provisions, the lifespan, the actions, and whether the person will be happy or wretched. Here's a question. If the provisions are already written, then how do we understand the statement of the Prophet that whoever wants an increase in provisions and lifespan, then let him keep the ties of kinship. That whoever wants an increase in lifespan and in provisions, let him keep the ties of kinship. Or keeping the ties of kinship, it increases your lifespan and increases your provisions. How do we understand the statement of the Prophet in that your lifespan can be increased and your provisions can be increased? And with this hadith also, that it's already written your provisions and your lifespan. If you want to come back next week and answer, then we'll give you to next week. <laughs> we know that. Yes. Probably. How is it written and it's a problem? What's written? One thing or two things? So that means what? Allah doesn't know which one you want to do? So then why both are written if you do this? Allah knows what you want to do. So it shouldn't be if you do, if it's a possibility. Allah knows for sure what you're going to do. Right? According to what you're saying, it's written in Allah Mahfuz. If you marry Aisha, you only want to have a son. But if you marry Khadija, you want to have five children. According to what you're saying. That's how it's written in Allah. No, that's not correct. It's written in Allah Mahfuz, you want to marry Khadija. And you want to have five children. It's like that. Because Allah knows who you want to marry. And how many children will come from you? Inshallah Ta'ala, we give the brothers to next week. Inshallah. <laughs> to come with the answer. Subhanakallahu alhamdulillah. Inshallah. 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 In